At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All right, welcome to our show today. This is your host, Doug Crow with the Author Brand Show. Today, we've got a very unique guest on here. He is an entrepreneur, podcaster, author, whose businesses have reached over three and a half million people. Three and a half million. Um, this gentleman started his first business at age 19. He now hosts one of the top business and marketing podcasts in the world with listeners in over 150 countries. He's the CEO of the Launch Coalition, a community where entrepreneurs go to grow together. He's worked with over 5,000 entrepreneurs of all levels and helps them go rapidly from wherever they are to six and seven figures. So without further ado, I'll introduce our guest today, Brian Loframento. Brian, how are you today? I am good, Doug. So excited to be joining you today. And also, you nailed the last name, mainly because you just like, excitedly stepped oh. into it, and I love it. <laughs> That's why I figured make it up as we go. Um, so we're going to spend a few minutes today talking about the Launch Coalition, what you guys do. Before we do that, Give us some takeaways. Why should people stick around and listen to us for the next 20, 25 minutes? Yeah, great question, Doug. And I'll tell you what. Well, first things first, I know you well enough to know that we are going to bring the heat today. We're going to bring some real value to people. And one of the main things when it comes to bringing that value is I want people to know exactly what they should be focusing on when it comes to growing their business. I know that there are so many things that we can focus on as entrepreneurs, but what we're going to talk about today are the only six things. There's six things that it comes down to if you want to grow a successful business. So I'm going to unveil all six of those things during our conversation today so that when people are done listening, they, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Brian, you're supposed to reveal the top three. And if you want three more, go to this website for the rest of them. Come on, I got to teach you how to do that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Doug. Actually, here's the thing. Because I know that six is a lot. And I know that people are going to listen to this conversation and say, oh, my gosh, this gives me so much clarity. I want to take it away. That's why, at the end, I'll give people the link to go get the checklist for these six All things. Right. But now that they've met me on your show, they could go straight to imetbrian.com and get that growth checklist. But it really yeah. is those six things for them to sit down and say, what do I need to focus on to actually grow? All right. Very good. Well, we all love our humble beginnings, Mr. 19-year-old with the, with the blog getting his first unsolicited advertiser outreach. Tell us a little about your background, how you got started in business, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So when I was 19, I was it was the summer after my freshman year of school. And freshman year at school, Doug, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really doing much schoolwork. I was doing a lot. I was playing a ton of video games. I was playing a lot of soccer. And so that summer, I thought to myself, there's something more that I need to be able to accomplish during these four years of school. And so I always loved writing. I always loved soccer and I always loved the internet. So I figured, why not write about soccer on the internet? And that's exactly what I started doing. And so because, I mean, the world of, of blogging was relatively new back in 2008, WordPress wasn't what it is today. It was very much in its beginner stages. And so I was really one of the pioneers in the soccer blogging space. And so by junior year of college, I had over three and a half million visitors to my website every single month, just an American kid writing about English soccer from my dorm room in Boston, Massachusetts. And so it really took off. And I was negotiating ad deals with Nike and Under Armour and all these huge multinational companies. And so that's really what was my entrepreneurial beginnings was starting that blog and growing it to $1,000 a day. So when I graduated school, I started a marketing agency because so many businesses were reaching out to me saying, 
kid, how the heck did you do this? Can you help us do that? So yeah. started a marketing agency from there, spun all of that success into publishing my first book in 2015. A year later, I was receiving a ton of emails from book readers saying, we want more, give us more. So that's what prompted the launch of my podcast. And now here we are. I mean, gosh, it's what, 14 years since I started my first business. And now I've worked with so many different entrepreneurs. And you still look almost 19. It's amazing. Well, <laughs> You know, it's funny, uh, I'm sort of curious about the um, American kid writing about English soccer. How, how did that come to be? Yeah, so actually my one core part of my identity is I am a first-generation American on my mom's side. So my mom moved to the United States from Albania. And so I had a very European upbringing. My mom always made sure that we knew about the way that she was raised and the values that she holds. And so I just was always into soccer ever since I was a little kid. I played really competitively, should have took my career much further than I did, but that's okay because I ended up turning it into a business instead of that. So I remember I went to nationals as a high schooler in Los Angeles, and that's what prompted me to one day say, I need to live in LA. And, and eventually I did. I moved to Los Angeles after starting a few of my businesses. And so, yeah, literally in my dorm room, I just, that was my passion. I started writing about it. And we hear it so frequently within the world of entrepreneurship is follow your passion, which I think is good advice in some regards. I think it's watered down and cliched advice in other regards. But for me, it really kept me going in those months. And gosh, Doug, I honestly, I think I'd say a year of not knowing what I was doing business wise. Passion is what drove me in my first six months. I made a grand total of $200. So a lot of entrepreneurs like to pretend, you know, it's instant success out of the gates. For me, it was $200 in six months. But because of passion, that's why money didn't matter. I said, I'm just going to keep on doing this. And luckily, I did because, you know, two years later, I was doing $1,000 a day in ad revenue. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the passion thing. I, I go back and forth on myself talking to my author, clients, whatnot, about following your passion. And it never hurts you. As long as it doesn't go, like you said, so deep and like, hey, I'm going to just be an artist. That's fine. But learn marketing art because if you can't combine some marketing skills with your passions, it's going to be a lonely, lonely world. Which reminds me, this is a little before your time, but I remember when the internet first came out and things were just, just getting started, right? It was brand new. Website was a cool thing to have. And I read an article about a woman who had a niche. And of course, niche marketing is very important, right? Her niche was selling tumbleweeds online she found me tumbleweeds out in the middle of the desert right good decoration for a home made eighty thousand a year back in 2000 selling tumbleweeds online so i'm not sure that was her passion but it was certainly a niche uh in the had no competition yeah, and I love that. And here's the thing, Doug, you have no idea how perfectly you're teeing me up for something that I'm really excited to share with your listeners, because that's a great example. Another great example, one of my favorite business examples ever, the pet rock, some guy decided to invent the pet rock, which was essentially he picked rocks, put them in a box and put some decorations inside the box. And he called it the pet rock. He did over $7 million in revenue. So Doug, this is why I'm so obsessed with entrepreneurship. It's because anyone can make it with any idea. But the thing is, it's easy for us to poke fun at these two examples of selling tumbleweed or selling the pet rock. But the reality is, is that it's not just the products that made those businesses a success. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to entrepreneurship and growing a business is we look at what we see on the surface, but we don't look at what's actually driving that success, which is why me having grown multiple successful businesses of my own and worked with so many others, I've really been obsessed with identifying, okay, 
what's actually happening beneath the scenes? It's almost like when you see a magic trick, you know something else is happening other than what you can see on the surface level. That to me is the magic and the beauty of entrepreneurship. The pet rock guy didn't make $7 million because the pet rock is the most genius product ever invented. The product is only one sixth of what it takes to grow that business. So there's so many other ingredients in there, but to me, getting all of these ingredients working in alignment at the same time, that's the real magic of business. All right, well, let's tease me up for your six things. Let's go through them. Yeah, cool. So thing number one, let's say you and I invented the next pet rock and we think we're gonna make $7 million. Let's just not be do pet rock. Let's do something we can actually scale to add some value versus being humor. <laughs> Give um, it to uh, me. Let's think of something else. I don't know what else. I think we can come to something. <laughs> oh, let's know. just say- how about, how about an ad platform that had AI to it that could actually learn um, how ad without split testing, right? You just add and would just learn how to improve itself with graphics and whatnot. That's my invention. Okay, go. Love it. I absolutely love that. So on its merit, we know that that's an incredible product. We yeah. personally, you and I would love to use that product. We know it. That's incredible software. An AI essentially ad analyst and expert. They are going to do the work for us and make our ads crush it. So that's the product. And too many entrepreneurs think, well, if I've got a killer product, then boom, I'm going to be successful, yeah. right? You're not. And we all know that because we've all inherently experienced this ourselves. Everyone has a million dollar idea and then nothing comes of it. So that's why for me at the base of the pyramid is us, the entrepreneur. If you do not act like an entrepreneur, think like an entrepreneur, if you're not productive like an entrepreneur, if you don't have the belief of an entrepreneur, doesn't matter how good your product is, you're never going to succeed, which is why it's the base. And I always like to say, I, I like to use gym analogies. Let's say you and I went to the gym today and we did the world's craziest workout. We just pumped iron all day long in the pursuit of looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Well, we're going to wake up tomorrow. Guess what we're going to look like? We're going to look the exact same. You can't see those results overnight. We'll look and like Arnold today. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we're probably going to look even worse the next day because the uniform. I'll get the black shirts on. Get that going. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the thing about entrepreneurship is that you have to con continue powering through these obstacles without seeing results. So that's why to me, this entrepreneurial belief and mindset is at the base of the pyramid. Get that wrong. Nothing else can save you. If you get down in the dumps, you're a quitter. Nothing will save you. The best product won't save you. Great marketing won't save you. But if you have that right, then you can move further up the pyramid. And it's a pyramid. So is this belief and confidence and perseverance? Is that that mindset of just pushing through? Yeah, and also the productivity part of it as well. I see so many people who get stuck in motion versus action, which I mean, I can for 20 seconds go over that really quick topic, which is if you and I wanted to lose weight, we could do a lot of things to make us feel like we're making progress. We could research diet plans. We could research workout routines. That's all motion. It makes us feel like we're making progress, but it actually doesn't deliver any weight loss. If you want to actually deliver weight loss, put on your running shoes, hit the streets and start running or go eat a salad. Those are the only actions. So it's it's really these in-depth contexts or concepts of understanding how do entrepreneurs act, how do entrepreneurs get results. So when we get that right, only then can you move up the pyramid and say, okay, the next ingredient is having a rabid audience. There's a lot of great marketing phrases out there, but a great entrepreneur, I forget who said it, but he once said that the thing that I want most in my business is an audience of 100 people who are starving. 
And it's true for all of our businesses. If I handed you whatever your business is, in this example, we're rolling with a software, an AI of an ad guru that will make our advertising better. Well, if we had a thousand people, Doug, that are hungry for better ads, there's money in that. So getting the audience right is super yeah. important. A friend of mine wrote a book, uh, Feed a Starving Crowd. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talked about, you know, the best place to put McDonald's is right next to Burger King. Exactly. Know, so the hungry people are. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. You got to get your audience dialed in right. Got it. Keep going. And the important thing about the audience, real quick, I just want to add one thing is that there's three criteria that every viable audience needs to have for your business. The first is they have to have that pain or hunger. The second is they have to be willing to buy something to alleviate that pain or hunger or achieve their desired outcome. And the third thing is they have to be able to pay for something that will alleviate that pain or hunger or give them that desire. So those three things need to be present. All of this, by the way, I'm going to remind your listeners is on the checklist. So hop on over to imetbrian.com for that checklist. But your audience really needs to be able to buy things. Too many entrepreneurs set themselves up for failure by saying, I want to help people who need to improve their credit score. Sorry to break it to you, but people who want to improve their credit score may not have money to buy your services. So it's really important to consider that. Once you have that viable audience, though, Doug nailed it. You got to have a sexy offer. You got to have something that gets people excited to say, yes, not only do I need that, but I want that. Take my money. And this is where so many people drop the ball and they say, oh, Facebook ads don't work. Marketing doesn't work. Well, you're right. It doesn't work if your offer sucks. Keep, keep going. You're on a roll, man. You can just keep going through all. Dude, all you want me to just crush it? All right. Well, no, if I, if I have a question I want to, I'll just, I'll raise my hand. You could just, you know, go for it. But I, uh, I, I let you know, you're, you're fine. Keep giving, I got the first two, keep going. Four more. Perfect. All right, cool. So your offer's awesome. What the heck do you need once you have an incredible offer? You need marketing. This is to me as entrepreneurs, if you have a product or a service that helps people, which Doug and I just invented here on today's episode, an, an offer that helps people, which is our AI service for advertising. If that's true and we're able to help people, we have an obligation, a duty to get good at marketing. We don't want to be the world's best kept secret. And so marketing is getting in front of your ideal customers and clients. I always like to say as entrepreneurs, our income is correlated to how many people we're offering our products or service to services to in a given week. And that's really important to consider because too many entrepreneurs will focus on their website. They'll focus on their social media. They'll focus on all of these other things, having perfect branding, having great opt-in page templates. They'll focus on all of these things and not focus on getting in front of eyeballs, which is so important. So that's the fourth ingredient. But you see, this ingredient can only work if you have all the ingredients that came before it. If you don't have a great offer, no marketing is going to save you. Yeah. That's a fact. I like, I like to drill down to marketing because I've got some um, things that change in the landscape very rapidly, especially in the past couple of years. And, you know, with there's uh, I think I last counted, there's um, not counted. I saw the research. There's over one billion blogs. Now. Remember, when you guys started blogging. It was kind of the cool thing. Now there's a blog for every seven people on the planet. Yep. Or uh, social media has got, you know, 3.9 million posts an hour. And so no matter what you think you're, is cool, I think. You're lost in this ocean. I mean, you're uh, a literal drop in the ocean. So what's your um, overview or marketing advice on how to pierce the noise? Yeah, so really good question, Doug. And my answer to that is always, my answer to most business and marketing questions is always to think about 
ingredient number two, which is why it's literally the second ingredient in this pyramid, which is your audience. First things first, don't ask yourself what's the latest trend. Don't be hopping over to TikTok because Gary Vee says it's cool. Gary Vee a few years ago was saying Snapchat is it. This is the place you need to be. Snapchat's dead now. And you're right, Doug. These The landscape of marketing is literally changing by the day. No disrespect so to Gary. One of my friends was in an audience, smaller audience, to talking about Twitter at the time. This was like 10 years ago. He was all hyped up on Twitter. My friend said, how do you make money on Twitter? Well, I guess, no, no. How do you make money on Twitter? And he's like, ah. Oh. And he says, is it because you own like 5% of the company? <laughs> exactly. Do as I say, not as I do, is what so many of these gurus are telling you. And that's why I think the smartest approach to marketing, look, people have been marketing successfully for literally centuries before technology existed, before the internet existed. And the reason is, is because they were asking themselves the important question of where the heck are the people that I want to serve? Forget all the fancy things on social media, forget all these different platforms that pop up every single day on a fundamental, really human level. Think about it from a human perspective. Where the heck are my people and what do they need? And so when we go into marketing, obviously we could branch into so many different aspects of it, lead magnets and leading with value and content marketing and all these different aspects. But at a really fundamental level, to me, the important question to ask ourselves is, where the heck are my people? Where are they so that I can get in front of them? And two, when I do get in front of them, what do they need to hear right now? What is it that they're looking for? How can I help them overcome an obstacle that they're facing? And one of my favorite concepts in the world of marketing is that for marketing, really our biggest duty is to prove to people that we can help them. And the easiest way to prove to somebody that you can help them is to actually help them. And to me, that's successful marketing. It's not about having the most gimmicky video. It's not about the Ty Lopez's of the world saying, look at my Lamborghini. Does that work? Can that work? Yes, but it's not sustainable marketing that gets people to say, wow, I want to pay attention to this person because they genuinely can and have helped me. So marketing is incredibly important. Which brings us back to our example. Maybe we should change our, our, our stories here, Brian, because I'm not sure if you need more than one tumbleweed and their pet rock was certainly a fad. It wasn't really a business. It was a fad product. I'm not sure what the guy did after that or how much he made versus his distributors, middlemen, and retailers, but we should we should probably work on our our, our stories. I think anyway. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of getting in front of people where they are, and the best way to do that, of course, is just to ask them. You know, hey, if you don't know where your people are, then you've got to go do some research. Um, getting in front of them and getting the right getting the messaging right that makes total sense. What about the next step? Yeah. So once you've got good marketing and this is the one that everybody avoids, and ironically, this is the most important ingredient so far, and that is sales. If you are not selling to people, you are not making money. But the reality is selling is such a scary thing for entrepreneurs so that they avoid it. It's way easier and way more fun to hop in Canva and make a bunch of flashy graphics and upload them to your Instagram. It'll look so cool. But ultimately, marketing is nothing without sales. The reason why we've done all these other things within this pyramid so far is to generate sales and revenue. And so for sales... Maybe my favorite sales concept, Doug, is that the goal of marketing is to make selling superfluous. Your marketing should be so good at proving to people that you can help them that by the time you're offering them your product or your service, they're already sold. So we as entrepreneurs, we need to sit down and ask ourselves, okay, now that we've done this job, where's the close? 
Where am I pitching people? How am I asking them for money? Does it happen on an online checkout form? Do I need to get them on the phone? Do I need to send them proposals? How does this actually work? And how can I pitch as many people as possible after nurturing them via my marketing? So that sales yeah. component is so important. Yeah, people love to buy, they hate to be sold to. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty fundamental. And I keep studying, you know, it's hard for, for like you focus in a solo entrepreneur world, and it's hard for them to focus on big brands like Apple who don't need to sell, right? Their branding is so spectacular. People want to buy their stuff. I get that. But it can, how can that work on a, on a smaller scale for someone who's like not Apple, but I'm just like a, uh, a solopreneur selling um, a coaching service to veterinarians, right? How can I position myself such that, you know, my branding, my marketing is so good. They contact me and they say, how much do I send you? <laughs> That's the goal, right? Yeah, really good question. And my answer is, look, you nailed it, Doug. I love how much you're already using the pyramid. So it's easy to look at Apple and say, holy cow, the iPhone sells itself. Why does it sell itself? Because Apple's nailed all of these prior ingredients. Mm -hmm. Apple knows their audience. Apple has an incredibly sexy offer. The iPhone sells because it's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. And then they have great marketing. They're they're constantly showing up to people and then they have no problem selling. And actually, now that we're on this fifth ingredient, which is sales, they have payment plans. They have protection plans. They have all of these things. To me, sales is not just about saying, hey, Doug, you want to buy my stuff? It's about making it as easy as possible to say yes. And Apple consistently masters that, which is why this ingredient to really bring it back to the solopreneurs that you're talking about and that are so near and dear to my heart. I love solopreneurs. It's really important for us as solopreneurs to sit down and ask ourselves those same tough questions. Okay, now that I'm showing up for people, how can I make it irresistible? If you mm -hmm. understand your customer, you'll understand their objections. You'll mm -hmm. understand their ability to pay. You'll understand their desires. You'll understand their pain points. And that's where if you focus on all the things preceding this ingredient, your sales job becomes that much easier. If you don't use this approach and you just want to, in a microcosm, say, how do I generate more sales? Apple's killer at making sales well, then you're missing the magic. To me, that's what we're talking about in this conversation is that real magic, looking beyond the surface level and acknowledging that Apple actually has done all of these other steps. Yeah. Look at Target. Target doesn't need to work hard to get sales from us, but they yeah. actually do. They actually do have really effective marketing. They do nurture us. They do send yeah. us marketing emails. They are consistently showing up. They mm -hmm. know their audience. One of my favorite marketing case studies in the world is when Target got sued because they were mailing coupons for pregnancy products and baby products to a 15-year-old girl. And the girl's parents said, what's going on here? Wow. And Target said, we don't know. And it actually turns out when it went to court that Target's algorithms based on the girl's purchasing behavior, Target knew that she was pregnant before she did. Ooh, so much for our AI advertising engine. Forget that idea. I don't want to do it anymore. That's it's incredible though, isn't it? Oh my God. How, how, oh, embarrassing. Yeah, mom. I don't know why I ordered these condoms and the stuff. <laughs> But it's incredible. And it goes to show yeah. that even these big businesses invest millions of dollars in yeah. better understanding their customers. So why are their sales so effective? Because they've done all these other things. Now, you and I as solopreneurs, we're not going to be able to invest in AI algorithms that analyze people's purchasing behavior. But what we can do is on a more anecdotal and more human level, get to know them and get to better understand them. That's the real magic. Obviously, it's not on the same scale, but we're still able able to do it. So I think that that's a really good example to show 
how important it is to sell based on all these other things. How about an example of a, of a small company, you know, a five, 20 person company that, um, you know, maybe they got a couple of salespeople and operations, whatnot. Um, any examples of your, all your thousands of business you've worked with where they, their, their selling was more effortless than others? Yeah, for sure. So one company that I love giving shout outs to, I work really closely with them is Essential Tennis, which is the world's largest tennis instructional company. They've got like 100 million views on YouTube. And Ian, the founder of that company, he was really crushing it on YouTube for a long time, just putting valuable videos out there saying, hey, here's the mechanics of a good backhand. Here's the mechanics of a good serve. Here's how to improve your game. And for years, Ian was doing that and not knowing how to turn that into money. And what he did was he just was giving people value. He was showing up to the point where people were clamoring, saying, we want more. This is a perfect example in my books of making selling superfluous. Ian asked the biggest and most important question of marketing of all, which is how do I help people so much that they want to give me money without me asking them to give me money? And that's exactly what happened. Now Ian has an email list of over 100,000 tennis players across the world. And when he launches a new online product or an in-person retreat, those people already have credit card in hand and they say, here it is, here's my money. And so that to me is a perfect example of making sell selling superfluous. That is, that is so true. I have a friend with an email database of about 120,000 people. And when her and her husband want to go on a trip somewhere, she goes, oh, I want to go to Italy, honey. And she goes, hold on a second. She goes, let me look at this affiliate <laughs> offer here that I like. Um, this one's pretty good. Click and, you know, in pops 30 grand. They go on their, on their trip. It's kind of funny. All right. So obviously, you know, people like us, you know, I don't necessarily – enjoy selling but i enjoy serving which is the way i i, I phrase it in my my way i love helping people out and they definitely want to buy um what about people who are um enjoy it too much they're like they love the the hunt you know and like come on it's not 10 men it's not 1960 here what do you tell someone who actually enjoys selling too much yeah, so here's the thing i think if you're looking at selling the way that you and i are talking about selling if you're selling hard, to me, that means your marketing didn't do the work that it should have been doing. And if your marketing's not doing the work that it should be doing, it's probably because your offer sucks. If your offer sucks, it's because you don't understand your audience. So I just climb right on back down that pyramid because, again, I reiterate it, and it's probably going to be the thing I hope your listeners take away from this episode. Your marketing should be so good that your selling is superfluous. If you find yourself in the convincing business, then you failed before this. And Doug, I'm going to use another tennis analogy. I was at a tennis retreat out in California a few years ago, and I was in a really good rally. I was feeling so good in this rally, but then I totally screwed up the final shot. And I turned over to my tennis coach and I said, what did I do wrong? Like, what was wrong with that last shot? And she goes, Brian, you actually like it had nothing to do with your final shot. You screwed up three shots ago and you were in the wrong place. You shouldn't have been at the net. And she pointed out to me that that's where the error really started occurring. And for me, that took me back to business. And I said, it's too easy to look at the most recent ingredient and think that that's the problem. So someone who's selling too much is finding themselves being super pressury, high, high hypey. And Doug, I know that's totally not your style because like you said, you prefer to serve people, then you're doing something wrong. You shouldn't be convincing them. It shouldn't require that hard sell because all of these things should be in alignment leading up to it. That's that's really brilliant, folks. Make, make a note of that. Whenever you got a, a, whenever you're stuck, go back down the pyramid and go back up again because you're somewhere in that pyramid is gonna it's gonna be you're gonna find your flaw. 
So after sales, what's the next? We're number five now, number six, where are we? Yeah, so the sixth and final ingredient is growth. So once you have all of these things in order and only when you have all of these things in order, can you start thinking about growth and scale? I facepalm so hard when I see entrepreneurs saying, I really want to start this business, but I don't know if it's scalable. Well, you can't scale something that doesn't exist. You got to start making money first in order to scale it. And Doug, I think one of the things I admire the most about the way that you do business and why we connect as well as we do is because we both know that that personal touch, doing things on a personal level to actually serve people first is what gives us a business worth scaling. So the phrase that I say all the time to so many entrepreneurs is doing things that don't scale give you a business worth scaling. So if you've done all the first five things correctly, regardless of scale, regardless of your ability to grow that, that's when it becomes easier to grow. And when it comes to entrepreneurial growth, it's really easy. Two things to look at if you want to grow any business, once you've got the first five ingredients correct, it's either make more money from your existing customers and clients, sell them something else, sell them more of the thing that you've already sold them, or two, get more customers and clients. Those are the only two ways to grow a business, but you should only be focusing on that once you're already making money and earning revenue. Brilliant advice. I love that. Um, man, this is all, this is all you learn us all on your own, you no, no master's degree, right? This is like- Yeah, trial and error, man. Dude, yes. trial and error. That's the way to learn. I always tell people there's only one way to learn how to ride a bike. You could read books about it. You could watch YouTube videos about it. Ultimately, you got to put your yeah. butt in that seat. We've been, we've been doing books, uh, creating books for people now for about almost 13 years. And uh, I was telling a client the other day, I said, I think I'm going to make an MBA by interviewing my, my clients because they're all like, you know, super successful CEOs of, you know, privately held mid cap firms and whatnot. I'm like, I'm taking good notes here. So it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's more relevant nowadays, too. I think about my college days and my professors in the film industry. There's only one that actually made movies. The rest of them are all, you know, theorists. See, that kills me. It kills me. Yeah. Dude, think about my college experience. All of my classmates were sitting in a classroom hypothetically talking about starting a business. I yeah. was in my dorm room grinding, negotiating yeah. ad deals. So much more value from that experience. Yeah, absolutely true. All right, so um, what what can we offer the um, the listeners today, Brian? We got your checklist. Yeah, so that to me, if you ever are sitting down asking yourself, what the heck should I be working on in your business? This is something that took me months to prepare and really put together. It is the entrepreneur to entrepreneur growth checklist. So if you're sitting there saying, what should I be working on? This checklist walks you through and it exposes all six of these ingredients and it exposes which of these ingredients is off. Because to me, Business is not rocket science. Nothing we talked about today is inherently difficult or hard or complicated. The only hard part is getting all six of these ingredients working in synergy together, working together all at the same time. So the entrepreneur to entrepreneur growth checklist it just tells you these six ingredients. You literally check off each of the statements and it gives you a score saying, hey, Doug, your marketing sounds like it's pretty good, but might sound like your offer sucks and so or vice versa maybe you've got an incredible offer your marketing isn't doing what it should be doing this will immediately expose what you need to be focusing on your business so don't be shy go get the checklist there's like no upsells or anything that i'm going to offer you there just go get download the checklist it's instantly delivered to you and that's at imetbrian.com now that you guys met me here on doug's show which i love the work that doug is doing just go to imetbrian.com get that growth checklist outstanding i did meet brian and so did you and Appreciate your time today, Brian. Go there, get the checklist, and he's got some books as well, and uh, it's a really well put together website too. People could they, they could learn a lesson from how you tell your story and get and get your information out there. So 
Thanks for being on the show today, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Doug. Thanks for what you do. You bet. And that concludes our show today. Make sure you check show notes here for the link for that checklist. Get Brian's book. It's good stuff. I'm getting the checklist myself because everybody needs a little polishing update in their business from now and time, you know, now and again. So check it out. Uh, that concludes the show today. Don't forget to subscribe below to the show because you get some freebies from us as well. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.